Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. And tonight we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the next two hours before we go into our special one-hour after show. Uh, If you guys want to call in and talk some sports with us, you can call in at 657-383-1308. If you want to talk sports off the air, when we're not on on uh, on the show here, you can do so by going to sports uh, sports whispers on Facebook. Ask to join the group, and one of our moderators will let you in the group. Uh, also, if you want to listen to more of these podcasts, you can subscribe to Missy AE by either searching Missy AE on iTunes or by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE. You'll get access to not only the Sports Whispers Weekly podcast, but you'll get all the access to our uh, Survivor Memories podcast, Big Brother Memories podcasts, and so many other uh, so many other interviews with former cast members of both shows, as well as the Amazing Race uh, interview that we had with Hung and Chi. Uh, once again, the number is 657-383-1308. Lou, we got a lot on the table tonight. We have, of course, the we do. Super League. We got the Super League to talk about, the whole entire, uh, the whole entire shit storm that that's caused over in Europe. You can say that again. We got, yeah, it's, I mean, it was huge. <laughs> It was yeah. huge. What, Just when you thought everything uh, was going to go smooth, it didn't. No. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we have the NFL draft this upcoming Thursday night, so we will take a preview yeah. into some of the into some of the more recent mock drafts that have been put out. I meant to talk about uh, the NHL trade, so I think we'll probably open with that tonight, uh, the yeah. trade deadline that – uh, took place in the NHL a couple of weeks ago, and we're right. actually starting to see uh, the impact that some of those moves have have made very quickly yes. here uh, post deadline. We will also the uh, cover the yeah yeah exactly. Uh, we will also cover uh, the new NFL rules that ha- that will be implemented for this upcoming yeah. season as well as take a look at uh, at the current NBA picture, which, Lou, believe it or not, uh, don't look I know, now, but I know. You, you know how I said the, that the Knicks uh, may, be, may not necessarily be contenders yet? Uh, maybe I might be eating my own words here because yeah. they're on a, a nine-game winning streak right now. Yes, I know. I mean, it's got to be – it's things have got to be going absolutely insane out in New York. You know, I New mean, York. it could have it could have stopped at 7 on Wednesday um, because before Trey Young, you know, got injured, I think maybe that Atlanta had that game in the bag. So it might have ended there. Or yeah. the game last weekend where, you know, 
and I take a three-point shot to tie the game and send that overtime. So, you know, I don't know if I can say the Lakers have gotten away with it. The Knicks have gotten away with a few, but, you know, they uh, they found a way to uh, come from behind and win it. And now we're on a nine-game winning streak. And I don't know if it's reachable or not, but is it possible that they could uh, win the conference? I mean, because it's still doable. It's still mathematically doable. Well, let's see. How many games are how many games are left in the season? Well, don't forget, everybody doesn't play the same night, but I think the Knicks have 11. What are, what are they playing, 56 games this year? Or is it the regular? No, 72. 72. The regular 72. Okay, I'm thinking, I'm thinking yes. of hockey, I think. Uh, hockey you is are. one with 56, right? Yes. Okay. So if it is 72, uh, yeah, let me make sure I'm doing my – yeah, they have about 11 more games. So – I, I mean, there would be a lot of things that would have to go right for the Knicks, and they would need to get a lot of help. I, I, I mean, it's still technically in reach. There's six and a half games behind the Brooklyn Nets, but you know, at the at the same time, I would honestly think maybe getting to the third seed is a little more realistic right now. Well, that's certainly that's certainly you know beyond expectations from this year. Considering considering that uh, the third they're behind the Milwaukee Bucks by about four games right now, even though yeah, it's funny their record the, their record their record sits three three less wins compared to Milwaukee, but Milwaukee uh, has more games played, so right hence the the four games behind right now. Uh, but the Knicks, yeah, they're you know they're nine and one in their last ten games. Uh, I don't think they've lost a game this whole month. You know, you might be right. But, and, you know, just just looking at at the standings right now, I would find it very hard to think that, I'll say this right now, I I believe the Knicks are firmly in the playoffs at this point. I would just looking at the at the remaining schedule, I or uh, not remaining schedule, but at the standings, I don't see you know them possibly slipping. I mean, maybe per it's hard because they're they're about two and a half games out of the play-in tournament. As long as they can keep, as long as they can keep uh, their their pace going right now, to where, okay, you know, obviously, you know, the uh, the nine game winning streak at some point has to stop. You know, at some point they're going to have to lose. But I know, I know. as long as they can keep it, as long as they can keep it going, to where maybe perhaps on nights that they lose, Miami doesn't win. In the same in the same uh, scenario, and actually, I, I don't think know. Yeah, well, I think it's a safe bet they won't get the playing game. I mean, you know, right now Washington is in tenth spot and has a playing game, and there's nine and they're nine games below five hundred. So I think it's a given that we're gonna we're gonna skip the playing game and go right into the first round. And a real qu- real quick here before we continue on that, DC. Wow. 
I, I'm, um, I'm watching uh, I'm watching the the New England Revolution game right now against DC United. Uh, DC United just yuck. scored on their own goal. It does happen in soccer. It does, yes, but I mean, this was. I, I, I guess I guess they were they were uh, the defender was trying to uh, was trying to stop the uh, stop the ball's momentum and instead he ended up kicking it in himself. Uh, wow! So because of that, to open up the second half, the New England Revolution now leads DC United one nil uh, with plenty of time to go in the second half. Uh, of course, well, I guess it's a good thing. But, uh, yeah, when it comes to the Knicks, I mean, obviously, you know, they're not going to go as far down as Washington. You know, that's blatantly clear. And, honestly, I don't even think they'll go as far down as Charlotte. I think, if anything, the furthest they'll go is the seventh seed, which, in that case, they would have to play whoever is in the eighth seed at that time. Right. Which, honestly, looking at at the potential – uh, at the potential shift in the standings, that's pro- that might be Boston, maybe Atlanta, depending mm-hmm. on depending on how the fifth and seeds uh, shake up here in these last uh, you know these last right. uh, ten or so games. Uh, but you know, as and plus, I don't I don't know. Do, do the Knicks have any games on hand with the uh, Miami Heat? Ah. Uh, I don't think they do. Think they were, okay, they were, uh, had... Well, then they don't have to worry about any one-on-ones then with the with the Miami right. Heat because all they'd have to worry about is on on nights that they lose, they just have to make sure Miami doesn't win. Yeah, because if they can keep up, if they can, if they can keep that in check. Then you're probably you're probably looking at a uh, at a four at least a fourth a fourth seed finish. Uh-huh. Which, if you're going based off of uh, if you go based off of that, the current matchup that would probably mean you're facing the Atlanta or right now in the fifth seed is the Atlanta Hawks. You're probably facing the Atlanta Hawks at that point in the first round. Mm-hmm. And obviously, uh, for the play-in tournament, the number seven seed will face the number eight seed in a one-game playoff, and the number nine seed will face the number ten seed in a one-game playoff to determine who gets the seventh and eighth seeds. So, yes. So the way it would look right now, if the season were to end right now, Brooklyn would face the winner of Indiana and Washington. Yes. Philly would face the winner of Miami and Charlotte. Uh, Milwaukee would get Boston, and New York would get Atlanta. Mm-hmm. That's per- that's pretty much what it looks like. What it looks like right now. But another thing right. you have to keep in mind too is that the the Knicks they are mm-hmm. going to get players back from injury uh, more than likely before the season is over. So that helps a lot. It does help a lot that they'll uh, that they'll end up uh, becoming healthier and you know I really do Thibodeau is definitely connecting with the younger players on this roster and absolutely 
you know, we saw we saw that all the time all the time from when he was back when he was an assistant with the Boston Celtics during their championship run uh back in 2008. You know, he was able to get a young player like Leon Poe who not a lot of people were expecting a lot of a lot of production from uh he got him to be a valuable a valuable player off of the bench uh for the Celtics during that time frame. You saw what he was able to do with Derrick Rose in uh in Chicago. You know, uh Derrick Rose had his MVP season under uh coach Thibodeau. And now obviously there's Minnesota, but I don't really know if a lot of that is on Thibodeau for the the failures and the failure in Minnesota that he had. I don't know if a lot of that is on is really on him. Uh but so far from what it seems his coaching philosophy is definitely working out there in New York and yes. Hell, this may be the first season in however long that New York has actually had a winning record at home. The last time was uh, 10 years ago with Jeremy Lin. Probably, because they're 21 and 10 right now at home. 13 and 17 on the road. That's the problem. But at at the same time, though, I actually, I really do think that uh, that the Knicks they do have. I mean, j- just taking a look at let's see. Today's the twenty fourth. Monday they play Phoenix. Phoenix is coming off of a loss uh, from Boston, a uh, dominating loss, might I add, uh, at the hands of the Boston Celtics. So they may be reeling at this point. You know, uh, I think the Knicks could potentially uh, stack up well against them. Then you got Chicago two days later. Chicago, they're, I believe they're out of the playoff picture right now, uh, as of now. So, uh, and they're currently getting stomped on uh, by the Miami Heat. So that should be a win for for New York. Then you got the Rockets. I mean, come on, everybody's everybody's using the Rockets as a punching bag at this point at this point in the season. So. You know that should be that should be a win. I think Memphis will probably give you guys a little bit of a problem. Denver will probably give you guys a bit of a problem. Then you got Phoenix again. You got the Clippers. You got yeah, the Lakers. And it looks like you end the season against the Spurs. <laughs> yeah, Spurs. Oh, we don't think of the Rockets that are that bad. Spurs are, well, you know. Uh, Spurs are, they're, they're at 500. They're 29 and 29. They're, well, they're doing better than the Rockets. Well, obviously, everybody, everybody's doing better than the Rockets. Um, you know, one, probably one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest spark plugs for the Knicks this season has been Emmanuel Quickly. 11.7 points per game, uh, averaging mm-hmm. 2.2 rebounds and 2.1 assists. In uh, his rookie season, uh, out of uh, coming out of coming out of Kentucky, and actually that's another thing too. Uh, Don't forget Obi Wan. To... What was that? Don't forget Obi Wan. 
Yeah, Obi. Uh, he's he's having a bit of a poor rookie season though, because well, he's only averaging like four points per game right now. Hmm. Then we have another star player that um that um that's a rookie that's doing well. Oh yeah. Uh, hang on one second. Yeah, let me bring. Is it, no, it's not Miles Powell. Miles Powell hasn't even played. No. Uh, you're probably thinking of R.J. Barrett in his uh, sophomore year. It's a, his second oh, year in the league. Uh, or am I thinking of somebody else? You're thinking of somebody else. Who who am I? Uh, who am I uh, missing here? Not Barrett. I'm just uh, thinking of another one that's pretty well, though. Uh, it'll come back to me. All right. Well, uh, we do have to uh, have to since we were talking. To, uh, I mentioned Kentucky. Uh, the sports uh, world did lose a uh, did lose a, a talented uh, player, a talented freshman, yes. actually. From the Kentucky Wildcats, uh, Terrence Clark ended up passing away uh, earlier this week at the age of 19 after a car accident in Los Angeles. Uh, I guess him and uh, and one of his teammates, uh, B.J. Boston, uh, were coming back from a a workout, and his teammate uh, was was in the car right behind him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the exact specifics, but I do know that uh, Clark was taken to he was taken to the hospital, and right. he ended up. Uh, they said he ended up passing away with his mother at his side, uh, and he was projected to be a second round pick with a lot of upside uh, in this year's draft. But he did average, despite his limited playing time at Kentucky, he did average 9.6 points, 2.6 rebounds, and two assists per game. Uh, but he was he he was uh, looked at as a, as probably one of those second round picks that that would definitely be able to bloom the, uh, with the more playing time that he was able, uh, yes, you know that he would have been able to face in the NBA, but. Obviously, of course, now that's not going to happen uh, with his, with right. his tragic passing, and it really it really seems like Kentucky has been completely been completely snake bit this season. You know, exactly. It, it's like everything everything bad has happened that has happened, whether it's a death or you know just a flat-out horrible season like they had. It's like everything has occurred for them this year. Yeah. Oh, it was Julius Randle I was trying to mention. Julius Randle, okay, yeah. Uh, he is actually – he's been in the league for a while. He's been – I think this is his seventh year. Well, he's due to – But, yeah. Because he, he was originally drafted by the Lakers, I think. Oh yeah. 
if I recall correctly. He was drafted by the Lakers. Then he went to, I think, the Pelicans, maybe? Oh, yeah. I forget. He's having having quite the surging season this year, though. 24 points per game, 10.5 rebounds per game, 6 assists per game. Uh, he's clearly one of the one of the young studs of uh, this New York Knicks squad, and he's finally uh, molding himself into the type of player that a lot of people expected him to be coming out of the draft, coming out of uh, Kentucky. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you know, you just take you take a look at some of the players you have on that on that uh, New York Knicks squad. Uh, you got veterans like Nerlens Noel, uh, Derek Rose, Alex Burks, Julius Randle. You got Taj Gibson, although Gibson, I think, is – well, he's mainly off of the bench at this point in his career. But, eh, I mean, 5.1 points per game, 5.5 rebounds. He's mainly there just for – just to provide the uh, the veteran experience, basically. Uh, for the club, uh, but he also got some promising uh, young players like Kevin Knox. Uh, it looks like he's having a bit of a down season this year, though. Only only averaging about four points per game so far. And Alfred Payton, eleven point three points per game, formerly of the Orlando Magic, I think at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's it's. It's a good young squad that with a uh, with right. a coach like uh, like Thibodeau, it really looks like he's been able to bring the best out of these guys early uh, early on in his uh, career with the Knicks. I mean, I, I I remember a lot of people thought like it was a very mixed reaction when Thibodeau originally got uh, got hired by the Knicks. Uh, a lot of people thought that, uh, you know, he was basically set up to fail. A lot of people thought that maybe, you know, this would be – this would finally turn the Knicks around. And for the most part, it looks like it has. Yes. Uh, now, in regards to Trey Young getting injured, like you mentioned, uh, you mentioned earlier, he has a grade two lateral ankle sprain. And from the looks of things, it sounds like he will be out for at least two games because of it. Uh, Because they did say that uh, results of his MRI on Thursday were encouraging, so maybe perhaps uh, it's not as bad as as it looked out there on the court because – I mean, it would be one hell of a blow to Atlanta's playoff chances to yeah. have to have their star point guard out for uh, an extended length of time. Twenty-five point four points per game this year, nine and a half assists per game. I mean, he's you know he's clearly the be- he's the franchise player for for the Atlanta Hawks, yeah. basically. So. You know, if he's out for an extended length of time, you know, the Hawks may very well end up kissing their season goodbye for the most part or their playoff hopes, uh, if anything. 
It looks like he is possibly returning for tomorrow's game. He's been out. Yes. Uh, he's been out for quite the past few games, actually, uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. He was there was talk that he might return against the Celtics, but he ended up uh, not coming back uh, for for that game. So it looks like tomorrow is what they're aiming for against the against the Phoenix Suns to uh, to have him return to action. Uh, when it comes to James Harden, uh, he had he had suffered a setback in his hamstring strain this past Tuesday, and he is now out indefinitely with a hamstring strain. So they're they're hoping at this point that Kevin Durant can return as quickly as possible because. Uh, even though I, I will say they still dominated the Celtics even without uh, Harden and Durant, but that that list of the walking wounded is starting to grow because there were quite a few people out with injuries yeah. against the Boston Celtics. The walking wounded. <laughs> yeah, I mean it really yeah, was. I, know. You know, I, I mean I know what it means, but you know it's just like you know it's it's like. Ugh. Yeah, but if you were able to, if you were able to take a look at that injury report when uh, right before the game started, man, it was, you know, a lot of people, a Massive. lot of people were like, oh, it was huge because uh, not only did they have uh, Durant and Harden out, they had Nicholas Claxton out. They had quite a few mm. others out as well, uh, and you know it kind of made kind of made people wonder if you know maybe perhaps uh, the Nets would would have to you know extend their bench out to to play you know some of the other players that they you know don't necessarily play all the time. But anyways, uh, let's not, you know what? Let's dive into uh, to the NHL because yes, uh, I wanted to I wanted to discuss the trade deadline last week, and uh, obviously we that we didn't get so quite possibly one of the biggest impact moves that took place last Oops. week or not last week, but uh, during the deadline was the Washington Capitals. And this is, you know, this kind of confused me for a little bit here because uh, they acquired Anthony Mantha, but they gave up Jacob Vrana, Richard Ponick, along with a first, their first round pick this year and a second round pick next year. Or maybe I might have that mixed up. I don't know. It's still, it's still a little confusing. Uh, sifting through all of it, but the biggest thing out of this whole thing was that I took a look originally when the trade was announced, I took a look at both Anthony Mantha and Jacob Brana, and they both were producing at pretty much the same clip, so it was almost as if Washington was giving up more 
for a guy that was of equal value to Brana. So I was kind of wondering yeah. what the hell, you know, what the hell is what going hell? on here? But I, I guess apparently though, uh, Anthony Mantha, he is signed through the 2023, 2024 season at about an average annual value of 5.7 million per year. Uh, and believe it or not, he was actually on a down year this year with the Red Wings, only 11 goals and 10 assists through 42 games. And, you know, going over to a team like the Capitals would give him the best the best opportunity to get back on track. And good God, did he ever. I think he had like four goals in his first two games or something with the Washington Capitals after the uh, – after the trade took place. Um, well, remember, Steve, the uh, Red Wings are a dumpster fire anywho, so. They are, yes. And actually, this is actually pretty funny. Uh, they're playing the Dallas Stars tonight. And yeah. at one point, we're 41-6 to six in favor of the Dallas Stars. Uh, and the Red Wings, the Red Wings were leading them one to nothing. Mm. Now that game has actually gone final. Uh, Dallas won in overtime, two to one. But I find I just find it kind of funny that you know you could only have six shots in the game total, and one of them being that goal, right through two periods, no less. When you're that bad, you're that bad. Yeah, and I mean, you take a look at their record, though. It's 17, 25, and 8. And, I mean, there are teams that are worse than that. I mean, you just got to take Which a look at the Buffalo Sabres. Which means 17 and 33. Basically, yeah, if you, if, you don't, yes. uh, if you don't separate the overtime and shootout losses from the regular losses, yeah, 17 and 33. You know how I operate. The win is a win and a oh, loss yeah. is a loss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, there are teams that are worse. You, you just got to take a look at the Buffalo right. Sabers, and j- j- just to just to see that, basically. But I just I just found it funny that you know it took it took them all the way until. I think I think three minutes and fifty-two seconds remaining in the third period for da- for Dallas to tie up the game, and then uh, an overtime goal by Jamie Ben sealing it for uh, for Dallas. But to be outshot by forty-one to six, I mean that 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 just basically tells you how bad it is out there in. Uh, in Detroit, the fact that you're not able to, uh, you know, match up with certain teams in terms of, uh, in terms of shot output, but yet somehow you still had a one nothing lead with one of those six shots going in. Yeah. Now, obviously, uh, for for uh, Jacob Vrana going over to uh, Detroit, this is good for Vrana because uh, he was mainly playing on the second or third line in Washington, 
Uh, however, now he's probably playing on the top line with Dylan Larkin and Tyler Bertuzzi once once Bertuzzi returns from uh, from the injured list. And mm-hmm. Brana, he has had he he has had back to back seasons of twenty four and twenty five goals. So it is going to be a uh, you know there isn't going to be that big of a drop off from Anthony Mantha in terms of uh, production. No. Going uh, going Detroit's way, uh, but and plus they're going to get some veteran leadership on the uh, uh, with with Richard Panik joining them. Although clearly his best season was back in uh, 2016 2017 with the Blackhawks, where he had about 22 goals and and 22 assists in 82 games. Uh, he's basically the middle six bottom. Uh, well, yeah, the middle six could play on, on the second or third line. And he's probably, if he plays out his deal, he's going to be a bottom six forward next year, uh, for, for Detroit. So all in all, I mean, plus Detroit ended up getting a, a draft pick out of it as well. You know, that, that was probably the biggest late breaking trade that came out because there were all these little ones that were trickling out that people were like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. So basically there's not really any blockbusters that are going to go down. And then the Mantha deal went down and that's when uh, that's one that took everybody by surprise. Uh, Up until that deal though, probably the te- the uh, deal of the uh, of the deadline at that point was the Boston Bruins acquiring Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar from the Buffalo Sabers in exchange for mm-hmm. Anders Bjork and a second round draft pick in this year's draft. Now, as a Boston fan, I don't mind this deal specifically because. Obviously, you're getting an upgrade for the uh, for the wing for uh, David Krejci on that second line in Taylor Hall. And from all from all reports, apparently Taylor Hall they or they had a deal in place with the New York Islanders uh, to send a first round pick to Buffalo for Taylor Hall. However, Taylor Hall nixed that deal because he had a no trade clause and. He basically he basically told Buffalo, "Do whatever you can to get me to Boston," because uh, this isn't the first time that Boston has actually been infatuated with uh, Hall. Because if you remember back when back when uh, him and Tyler Sagan were drafted one and two overall, uh, Boston was thinking about potentially taking Hall. Back uh, back in that draft in uh, in 2011. Obviously, of course, they ended up taking Tyler Sagan because Taylor Hall ended up going to Edmonton that year. Uh, the not just that, but the Sabers they retained 50 percent of Hall's deal. Uh, so basically, Boston is on the hook for about four million dollars of the $8 million that he signed this year with Buffalo. Uh, yeah. Curtis Lazar, Curtis Lazar, he comes, uh, he comes to, to Boston with an extra year on his deal. 
So uh, he will be he will be there next year at the league minimum of eight hundred thousand. Uh, he's still on. He's still he's still young. Actually, he's like I believe twenty five right now. So he's on technically his second uh, his second deal of his of his NHL career because he's he's already he's already had his rookie deal uh, previously when he was with I think it was either Calgary or Ottawa I forget which it was it was one of those uh, one of those uh, Canadian teams though. You take a look at Taylor Hall when he was with with Buffalo, and now you take a look at him with a uh, with a better with a better lineup. Yeah. In Buffalo, he only had two goals and seventeen assists in thirty seven games. <sighs> with Boston, I can already tell you he's already scored. I think he's scored three goals so far. Uh, in the short time that he's been with Boston, hang on. Yeah, he scored. He scored three goals and three assists in seven games with Boston so far. So clearly, uh, you know, at this point, it kind of looks like, and plus, Lazar has had a couple of uh, a couple of points as well. It looks like so yeah. far, Boston has won has won this uh, this trade. The one thing I can say about Anders Bjork is, with in terms for for Buffalo, it's not like Buffalo got an absolute nobody. Bjork is actually very talented. The problem with Bjork is, for some reason, he was always in the doghouse uh, yeah. to the point of where he not whenever he would whenever he would do something good, he would immediately be uh, be put in the doghouse. Like almost, almost as if uh, Bruce Cassidy didn't want him to succeed with Boston. Yeah, but he's a very, he's a very talented player. Yes. Now, just to clear something, you did say Bjork, right? Yeah, Bjork. B. Uh, okay, B J O R K. Yeah, because uh, well, I'm gonna be showing my age here a little bit, but back in the uh, late eighties and early nineties, there was a pop singer from Iceland and her name was Bjork. Yeah. But actually her real name was her real name was Bjork, but she didn't want to say it because she said that Bjork rhymes with jerk. So I uh, just wanted you know, so I thought it kinda of, like tie into that. She was uh, she was, you know, not bad looking, but yeah, that voice of hers, yeah, no wonder why she didn't win any Grammys. <laughs> yeah, I I I kind of had a feeling that you were going that route because uh that's the you know, first, you know, so that's well. the first thing that I thought of. That's the first thing that I thought of actually when when uh, Boston first drafted him. I'm like, we drafted the uh, Atlantic Sensation. <laughs> yeah, but no, you know uh, me so well, Steve. I'm, yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, after all these years that we've done this show, I would I would hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know. Uh, the pro- yeah, the problem with Anders Bjork is he just never really got any playing time in Boston, mainly because every single time there would be a positive thing that he would do on the ice. It just it, it's almost as if Cassidy's like, no, we can't have you succeeding here. You know that would me- that would mean Ooh. I'd have to take ice time away from that would mean I'd have to take ice time away from uh, from different players, uh, different players that fit okay. my okay, my system, and I don't want to do that. 
Um, so obviously Buffalo sees something in him. Uh, and so far he has actually produced with Buffalo. He, ha- he hasn't been that bad with them so far uh, since the, uh, you know, since the trade. So give him a, give him a little bit to, uh, to get used to the, uh, to get used to the system that Buffalo runs and he should be a pretty good, a pretty good producer for them. I believe if I recall correctly, I believe he does have one more year on his deal as well. So uh, it's not like Buffalo yeah. got just like a rental or something. And plus, he's a restricted free agent. A rental. <laughs> they'll have they'll have his rights. Uh, even I, I'm pretty sure that they'll qualify him at least. So they will mm. have his rights in uh, in free agency. That wasn't the only deal that Boston made, as they also, that very same night before the Taylor Hall trade, they acquired Mike Riley from the Ottawa Senators in exchange for a third-round pick in the 2022 NHL draft. Uh, Riley had 19 assists for the Ottawa Senators, along with 36 blocked shots and 54 hits in 40 games played. Uh, a much needed addition for the for the banged up Boston Blue Lines, who, yeah, it's uh, let's just say that the injuries have really have really struck Boston's Blue Line this year. Uh, kind of make it. I mean, they were already regretting losing Chara and and not re-signing him, but I think that they they really miss Chara now because of how dependable. That he that he would be uh, as far as staying, you know, staying in game shape and very rarely getting injured. And if he did, he would actually play through injury. I mean, he he played with a he played with a broken jaw in the oh, Stanley yeah, Cup Finals against the St. Louis Blues. So yeah. now this one this might actually be a steal for Ottawa as the Ottawa Senators. Not not only did they do that, but they also claimed Victor Meaty, spelled M-E-T-E, off of waivers from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Meaty uh, only had three assists uh, in 14 games this year for Montreal, but that's mainly because you know he was uh, he was below on the depth chart, but uh, he should get a chance to play a much larger role with the Ottawa Senators considering they are they are rebuilding uh but he's only 22 years old has a lot of potential Bucky Hill. and and he's a, the the best thing for Ottawa is they didn't have to give up anything in order to get him yeah i'm just referring that he's only 22 lucky him <laughs> well yeah yeah but and you know in ter- in terms of uh, you know, like like potential to grow because yeah. usually usually NHL teams they know around the age of 26 or 27 what type of player that they have. Right. I mean, you know, I'm, usually, you know, I'm... <laughs> but you know, it's it's like if you're if you're not making any strides in the league right. by the time you hit that you hit that age you're probably not going to really amount to anything or you're not going to go, you're not going to progress further than what you already are basically. So 
you know, if you're if you're on the third line, you're unless unless there's an injury that pops up, you're probably not going to be seeing any second or first line time. I see. Basically. But uh, with me only be, Meaty only being only being 22, and Ottawa obviously, of course, is in a rebuilding phase at this point. You know they're they're looking uh, they're looking for any for any help that they can get, and Meaty will definitely help that blue line, especially with how with how suspect it looks. You know, speaking of Montreal, I mean, let's talk. They they seem to be on a on a rapid decline at this point. They're three and seven in their last ten games. Boy, almost as if almost as if losing Claude Julien wasn't the uh, uh, you know wasn't the answer. You know they thought they thought that that uh, getting uh, bringing in a new face would help. Uh, would help them get back on track, and you know maybe maybe perhaps now getting rid of Julienne just wasn't the answer for them. Yeah, and I, I swear to God, I'm you know I, I like I mentioned earlier, I'm watching the the Revolution game against DC yeah. United. I swear to God, these refs. I, I'm trying so hard not to rage right now uh, on air here, but these refs, they have let DC United get away with everything tonight. You know, it's always a problem, though. No matter what sport it is, hockey, basketball, baseball, whatever, every ref is always like the same way in the leagues. I mean, they always make ridiculous calls that don't make any sense whatsoever. And you wonder why the fans get so ticked off because all refs, for well, most of them, as you all know, are blind as bats. I mean, if you if you've ever heard of the if you've ever heard of the uh, the chicken wing uh, wrestling yes. move, yes. that's basically what just happened to a uh, to a to a Revolution player just now. Well, it looked like they got put in the chicken wing uh, with with basically uh, one. Well, actually, in this case, both of his arms were hooked. Uh, were hooked up with a DC United player, and the Revolution yeah, player was uh, was knocked right to the ground, and there was no call whatsoever by the refs. And that this isn't the only. There you uh, go, stupid. This isn't the only uh, the only time either so far tonight. Tonight, uh, DC also did a literal human cannonball into one of the uh, into one of the New England players, and the refs basically uh, left it alone. Didn't even make a call. And I have a friend who's uh, who's at the game tonight. Maybe considering it's near the end, maybe he might actually call in immediately after. Uh, Immediately after the game's over, uh, but I can't wait to hear this. So, he, so he would be able to tell us even further. But just from what I've seen on the very shitty picture that I'm looking at right now, because you know it's funny. Yeah. This is their home opener. This is their home opener tonight, and it's not oh, yeah. even being shown on. It's not even being shown on ESPN or anything. I have to watch it on one of the local channels that only comes in standard definition. And when I tune into it, it automatically crops the picture. 
So it, it isn't even like an Ugh. HD picture. It looks absolutely horrible on my screen right now. So you have the douchebag version. Pretty much, yeah. And here we go. New England gets another yellow card. Uh, you know what? I, I need to stop talking about this because this is douchebag. I need I need I need to go I need to go back to uh and this one's on, on their uh one of their one of their star players, Adam Buxa. I need I need so to go back to I guess it's on what, Nesson? No, it's uh usually it's on NBC Sports Boston, but now uh, tonight yeah. it's on my TV 38, which is uh, at least I think you get WCC. over the air. In New York, you can't. In New York, the only things you get here are Yankees and Mets games over the air. At least you're lucky. Oh, you don't get the Red Bulls. We do, but we don't get like like our local my or CW station. We get off MSG over here. Oh, I see. You know, yeah, you know, I it's, mean, over it's, the it's air, weird. It's Over weird the year when I was a Jonah uh, word in this area. In in my in my area, this channel is normally NECN is what they call it, NECN. But in some areas or at some times of the day it's it, it also becomes my T V thirty eight or my network uh T V um, is what they used to call it. Would that be um the old channel thirty eight in Boston? WBSK. I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I'm, it's the superstation. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly, but this used to be technically UPN. Right. It used to be UPN before they rebranded themselves to uh, to My Network TV or some crap, crap. like that. Yeah. Go, going yeah. back to the NHL here, uh, we did have some other some other notable trades uh, to talk about. In particular, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they acquired Nick Foligno from the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, as well as Stefan Nelson from the San Jose Sharks in a three-team trade. Uh, The Maple Leafs, in return, sent out a first-round pick this year and a fourth-round pick next year to the Blue Jackets in the deal while the San Jose Sharks received a fourth-round pick in this year. Uh, I don't know if it was from the Blue Jackets or from the Maple Leafs, though, uh, in order to facilitate the trade. Uh, Felino this year had seven goals and nine assists with the Columbus Blue Jackets before the trade, uh, and he becomes an unrestricted free agent after this year, and... It also says here that the Columbus Blue Jackets will retain 50% of Felino's remaining deal, and San Jose took 25% of that 50%. So technically, the cap hit for Toronto is 1.375 mil. It's really odd how they do some of these trades, Lou. Like, oh, absolutely. So yeah. a team, so a team will, uh, if you're doing a multi-team trade. One team will will retain fifty percent, the uh, while another team retains twenty five percent. It's I think what what happens is so basically it sounds like Columbus first traded him to San Jose, and then San Jose traded him to Toronto, in order to in order to basically take up about seventy five percent of the uh, of the salary remaining on his deal. Now, what's funny about this, though, is 
it sounds like, according to uh, one of the beat writers, uh, Aaron Portsline, uh, who does the uh, Columbus Post-Dispatch, he said that it's more uh, more likely than not that Tolino will re-sign with the Columbus Blue Jackets this offseason. So basically, Columbus is getting free, is getting uh, you know a free acquisition for pretty much nothing at the end of this. Also, it okay. says Toronto they have acquired uh, David Riddich from Calgary in exchange for a third round pick in the 2022 NHL draft. Calgary retains half of Riddich's remaining deal. Uh, this trade also may not bode well for Frederick Anderson, who has been, I don't know if he's returned yet, but he has been out with a lower body injury. Uh, although it, although it might be just additional insurance because Jack Campbell, the backup for Anderson has been banged up for most of the season as well. Uh, Riddich had a four, seven and one record with the Calgary flames before the trade, along mm-hmm. with a 2.90 goals against average and a 90.4 save percentage. Uh, Pittsburgh, the uh, Pittsburgh uh, Penguins acquired Jeff Carter from the LA Kings in exchange for a conditional 2022 third round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick. Carter is signed through next season with an average annual value of 5.2 mil. Uh, the Kings will retain 50% of Carter's salary as part of the trade. And before the trade, Carter had eight goals and 19 points in 40 games for the Kings this year. Uh, Looking at some of the – I don't know why I had this one listed twice. Let me get rid of that. Uh, Looking at some of the other – some of the other notable deals, uh, I think this one's kind of notable mainly because it seems kind of strange that uh, that Carolina's given up on this kid. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks have dealt Yanni Hockenpah and a sixth-round pick in 2021 for Hayden Fleury, who was selected seventh overall in 2014, but shockingly never panned out to be the player that Carolina thought he would be. Uh, at the time of the draft, at the time of the 2014 draft, he was thought of as a good defensive player as well as a strong skater, but not a great offensive threat. And with only one right. goal and no assists this season in 35 games, uh, Flurry is mainly known for basically his defense. Uh, however, it should be easier for him in Anaheim, where there won't be the pressure of being a high draft pick. Uh, still only right. 24 years old, too. So he does have, uh, you know, he, he still he still does have uh, the opportunity to turn things around. And as far as Hockenpah goes, he's third in the NHL with 168 hits at the time trailing only Brady Kachuk and Radko Gudis for uh, hard-hitting defensemen. 
And he only had Shut one boy, assist in 42 games as well. He, uh, he's the son of uh, Keith. Just Keith, right. Hmm. Uh, that's all we need, and, another one of him. And he is with, I think, Calgary. I might be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll just get another Domi in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing too. I think uh, I think Montreal is potentially given up on Max Domi. Good as well. Dirty's his father. Kind of a bit surprising though, because he is talented. Yeah, but he's also a dirty player. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Speaking of Calgary, the Florida Panthers, they acquired Sam Bennett and a sixth-round pick in next year's draft from Calgary in exchange for prospect Emil Heineman and a second-round pick in next year's draft. Uh, Bennett had four goals and 12 points in 38 games this year with the Calgary Flames, but he was starting to heat up before uh, in the uh, games before the trade. So Florida may have themselves quite a sneaky acquisition here as Bennett is, te- is technically still young. Um, and as far as uh, Heinemann goes, 19 years old, uh, currently playing in the Swedish hockey league, uh, seven mm-hmm. goals and 13. He had seven goals and 13 points. He was just drafted last year by the Panthers in the second round. So the Calgary Flames got themselves quite quite a prospect here to keep an eye on. I'm sure. Um, I don't think the Rangers really did much. I didn't recognize their – their name at all on on any of the uh, on any of the deals. No, no. Uh, the Islanders, the Islanders, pretty much made their move uh, earlier by acquiring Travis yes. Zajac and uh, and uh, Palmieri from from the Devils previously. Oh, actually, no, they did make one move. Uh, they also acquired Braden Coburn from the Ottawa Senators in exchange for next yes. year's seventh round right. pick. Uh, recorded, he recorded two assists this year in 16 games for the uh, for the Ottawa Senators before being traded, and he is playing on the final season of a two-year, 3.4 million dollar deal. So. A third or three point four million dollar. What what the hell am I talking about? So I mean they 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 did make uh they did make one one move at the uh, at the deadline at the actual deadline I should say. Uh, this has now gone final. The uh, barring a last minute heart attack uh, <laughs> attempt there by DC. Uh, the New England Revolution uh, take home the uh, the win one to nil over over DC United at Gillette Stadium. I wonder why they always refer to soccer as nil. I know I know it means nothing, but I don't know why they refer to it as nil. I guess it's from I guess it's an English term, and they had they had yeah. they adopted it. 
Yeah, it's on it's some something yeah. over over in Europe. Right. And we American we adopted it here. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Or as I can call it El Zippo. Yeah, I just basically say one to nothing. Or yes, just like all American or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we will get to soccer actually in just a little bit because we do have to talk about the Super League. Um, but some, oh, of the, yeah. some of the other deals, some of the other deals that went down uh, real quick here: the Edmonton Oilers they acquired Dmitry Kulikov from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for a conditional uh, fourth round pick next year. It will become a third round pick if Edmonton wins a playoff round this year. Uh, Kulikov only had two assists in 38 games for uh, for the New Jersey Devils while averaging yeah. about close to, close to 19 and a half minutes of, uh, of ice time. Yeah. Uh, Montreal, they acquired John Merrill from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for a fifth-round pick this year, and as well as Hayden Verbeek. Uh, Verbeek was mainly just a, uh, a depth, Player with the uh, Laval Rocket or the Laval 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 I don't know how the hell you say it uh, of the AHL and he has not he has yet to appear in an NHL game. Uh, the New Jersey Devils they acquired Jonas Siegenthaler from the Capitals in exchange for Arizona's conditional third round pick in this year's draft as it was previously acquired in the Taylor Hall trade uh, that they had made. So the conditional uh, thing here, it says, if Arizona's third-round pick is not transferred to New Jersey, then the Devils will just trade their own third-round pick in the draft to Washington. Uh, However, if it does transfer to New Jersey, then New Jersey will then send Arizona's third-round pick to Washington. Uh, Siegenthaler okay. played in only in only seven games this year for the Capitals. Uh, didn't record any points. Mainly just mainly just a depth piece, basically for new for the uh, for the Devils. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks they acquired defenseman Madison Bowie and a fifth round pick uh, in exchange for a fourth round pick in this year's draft. Mainly a depth a depth trade. Uh, Michael Raffle has been dealt to the Washington Capitals in exchange for a fifth-round pick in 2021. Uh, basically, a bottom-six depth uh, for the Capitals after spending his entire career with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets have acquired Jordy Ben from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for a sixth-round draft pick. Ben provided one goal and eight assists this season for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, And he was only one of a few members of the Canucks not listed on the COVID protocol related absence list during that whole entire, during that whole entire uh, mess. mess. Yeah, basically. Uh, The San Jose Sharks, they acquired Alexander Barabanov, uh, for anti Suomela. So Barabanov uh, was sought after in the offseason with the Maple Leafs picking him up, but now he is on his way to San Jose after only getting about one assist in 13 games with Toronto. 
he's probably he's probably going to have a lot better uh, a lot better of a chance to play in San Jose than he would have in Toronto. Uh, yeah. Silvella was a depth player for the Sharks, playing in only four games this season with no points. Uh, so he's going to be a depth player basically for the Toronto Maple Leafs, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Maple Leafs also picked up Ben Hutton from the Anaheim Ducks for a fifth-round pick in this year's draft. Uh, depth for the uh, Maple Leafs blue line, basically. He had a goal and five points with the Ducks this season. Vegas, they acquired Matthias Janmark from the Chicago Black, uh, with San Jose also being reported in the deal as well. Uh, the Knights received a fifth-round pick in next year's draft in the trade while sending a second-round pick this year and a third-round pick next year to the Blackhawks. The Sharks will get the fifth-rounder from uh, from next year that originally belonged to Buffalo from Vegas in order to help facilitate the trade. Um, they also sent a minor leaguer to Vegas as part of the deal. And San Jose retains 25% of Matias Janmark's salary in the deal. So, yeah, they were basically the facilitator. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, they acquired defenseman Eric Gustafson from the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for a seventh-round pick next year. Uh, they also, the Flyers uh, retained 50% of Gustafson's salary. Uh, however, he's been nowhere near the player that he was with Chicago uh, back in 2018-2019. Mainly a depth player now. Uh, the Blackhawks, right. they picked up uh, Josh Dickinson and Ryder Rolston in exchange for Carl Soderberg. Carl Soderberg returns to Colorado now. Uh, where he spent four seasons from 2015-2016 until 2018-2019. He had seven goals and 15 points this year for the Blackhawks, and he will slot back in as a bottom six forward for the Avalanche. And Nashville has acquired Eric Goodbranson from Ottawa in exchange for Brandon Fortunato, and a seventh round pick in 2023. Good Branson, one goal, two assists for the Ottawa Senators this year. Basically, depth, essentially. All right. Let's talk about the Super League. First off, this wouldn't happen in any other sport. No. Except soccer. Because apparent, apparently uh, the, the, the more popular teams like Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United, Barcelona, Atletico, all the, big, all the big teams basically had decided that they wanted to form their own league where they would be able to monopolize, uh, monopolize a bigger share of the revenue, essentially. Now, they were not expecting the gigantic blowback that they got as a result of this, as 
fans in multiple cities basically threw a gigantic shit fit, and they they had massive protests in all these different cities. I, I don't know. I don't know, Lou, if you uh, if you've actually if you paid attention at all to some of the. Uh, I have. Some of the I've stuff had that some of the Super on. League, and you know, it seemed like everything was all set in stone just like a week ago, and then all of a sudden this happens. So the Super League is a super bust. I, it was. It, it got nasty at one point. To yeah. Where fans. Uh, the fans actually started to vandalize. Some of the, uh, you know, some of the st- some of the arenas that uh, these teams play at. Yeah, I think the same people at the last week's uh, Yankee Tampa Bay game. Oh no! Oh no! Oh yeah! By you throwing, by idea. throwing, ba- you get what the idea. What, what did they throw? What did they throw? Was it baseballs? I thought I thought baseballs, it was trash. Plastic bottles, was- uh, plastic items, each other. Ugh. It was awful. My God, and you know the Yankee the Yankees are a whole entire different story. I mean, they have gotten they yeah. have uh, won a few games since, but the Yankees are a completely different story. Um, right, but you know, since you were throwing since you were throwing things because the Yankees raised, you know, the same thing. Now you would expect to have me with Yankees in Boston, or maybe Yankees in. And the Orioles, because they're you know they're true rivals. I mean, Tampa Bay they've become one, but doesn't represent the classic rivalries. You know, the other teams. You thought that'd be even worse with them. I mean, because when it's Yankees in Boston, who they get nasty. Yeah, it's. Uh, although I will I will say though, Tampa Bay has really started to turn into a rival for the Yankees though, because they have lost. The Yankees have lost their last. Seven series mm. against Tampa Bay, including right. the uh, divisional series that they uh, that they faced off against them in the playoffs. You had to mention that. Well, I just mentioned it as one of the uh, one of the series, basically. I know, but I know. We're still sticking to watch. This whole Super League, this whole Super League crap. I mean, I don't think. I don't think the owners realized just exactly how much shit they were stirring up here because fans, I mean, I mean, I mean, in, in the United States, you know, soccer is just treated as basically any other sport. I mean, there there are diehard fans, but you know, soccer is no, soccer may be big over here, but it, but it's basically almost like if you want to, how should I make a comparison here? Uh, for let's let's take wrestling into the equation here. How how All we right. have WWE and AEW right now and Impact Wrestling and Raw, ROH. And that's not that stuff, yes. The uh, overseas soccer is basically the WWE, and <laughs> United States soccer, United States Canada Canadian soccer is because Toronto FC is, is included, uh, you know, it's, uh, they're basically the minor leagues essentially to, right. to European soccer. I mean, these, uh, they 
take this shit serious, like almost as serious like it's as life like or death. the Super Bowl or something. Yeah, over there because that's that's literally all they have is soccer over in Europe. Right. And with the news of the Super League getting formed, it pissed off quite a lot of people uh, to the point uh-huh. of where teams started to back out because of these massive protests. Uh, I stopped I stopped following the list of teams, but uh, from my understanding, Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United, Barcelona, and Atletico uh, were yeah. the ones that had, that had pulled out. Um, Liverpool was on the uh, – I think Liverpool technically pulled out also because John Henry, uh, owner of not just Liverpool but also the Boston Red Sox, he issued a, he uh, issued a right. video statement, uh, a video apology basically uh, to the uh, European fans. And yes, by the way, by the way, for for uh, European fans, uh, fans of Liverpool, I'll just say get used to shit like that because right. Henry's been doing it to Boston all these years. You know, it's not really, it's not really a genuine statement that was made by him. He's he's just no. doing it to he's just doing it uh, for damage control, basically. He actually lost a billion dollars, believe it or not, as a result. A billion of this, dollars. Uh, that's what they said. As a re- wow. as a result of this uh, as a result of this investment falling through. Of course. Not just that, but he may have also lost his manager potentially too, as Liverpool's manager oh. Jurgen Klopp, uh, their manager Jurgen Klopp was furious at him over including Liverpool in the uh, in the Super yeah. League. What else can What else can erupt here? Bam! I mean, he lost his billion dollars. He lost his manager. I mean, what else can happen? I'm, uh, I don't know, but yeah, uh, there so was, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of blowback though as a result of, as a result of uh, of the implosion of the Super League. Uh, yeah. Ed Woodward he ended up resigning as the chairman of Manchester United. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, as a result of the, of this whole thing. Oh, hang on. I'm, I'm responding actually right now to, uh, to my friend trying to see if he's going to call in here. Um, he's wondering, he's wondering why, uh, they credited, uh, the own goal to a, uh, to one of the, one of the uh, revolution players. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not only did Ed Woodward resign as chairman of Manchester United, uh, Juventus's president, uh, Andrea, Andrea Agnelli, reportedly resigned. Now, there, there were conflicting reports. I don't know if, uh, if it did become official, uh, but that was one of the reports that was out there. Um, and also, this is leading towards potentially a sale of the Manchester United by the Glazers. Uh, 
So there is a, you know, I, I really don't think this, this is the problem. A lot of these, a lot of the uh, American businessmen are now starting to venture into European sports like soccer and owning these teams. I don't think they understand that you're not going to get, you're not going to get uh, away with the same shit that you can get away with in in uh, the United States, because you know, with the United States, we're that. we're used to shit like this. You know, we're used to oh, uh, these corrupt these corrupt business practices that they do uh, all the time. I mean, let's take a look at the Mookie Betts trade, for example. Mm-hmm. The reason why Mookie the reason why Mookie Betts was traded is because uh, John Henry claimed that they did not have the money to re-sign him. But yet you were willing to put a billion dollars into this uh, into this super league? Are you kidding me? Mm. No, you had the money. You just decided yeah. that you would rather that you would rather favor Liverpool over the team that that got you uh, all of this sustained success all these years. Yeah. Well, that and he also owns that racing team as well now too. Uh, Fenway Sports Racing. Right. Yeah, you're selling here for a new sports station. Case shit. Well, also, he also owns. Uh, he also owns the Boston Globe, I think, too, or the Boston Herald. I forget which. Globe. Uh, it's a Globe. I read okay. That paper. Yeah, it is. So he also owns the Boston Globe. You know, he and he also technically, by default, he owns Nesson as well. Because Messon uh, is technically owned by Red Sox ownership. Because I heard the Red Sox. The Red Sox were the primary, uh, the primary sport, sports team uh, that occupied Messon. Right. And John Henry, I don't know if he's the majority owner or what, but. Uh, he he uh, purchased you know shares in the yes. in the Messin uh, the Messin uh, station basically. No, I still think my idea is going. This is K shit radio. We dish out all the shit all the time. Yeah, I mean what. Or just uh, what? What are your thoughts, Lou? Though about about the Super League, because you know, Ish. this could have this uh, this was already doing. Uh, you know, Real Madrid yeah. president claimed that this would save European soccer, or it would save yeah. soccer worldwide. Yet uh, now, you know. A lot. Of, this has basically opened up the argument again of the rich versus the poor. Yes. When it comes to sports, and you kind of have to wonder exactly how much damage did this Super League do to the sport of soccer? Problem. May have crippled it. I mean, what what are your thoughts, Lou? I mean, seriously, I think it's uh, my my crippled, you know, 
soccer's uh, soccer's growth here. I mean, it was in the bag, but last week it was all set and done. How the Super League was forming, and then you do a complete 360, and now the the uh, whole process is dead, and that leaves you know all the soccer now in limbo. So, I mean, I'm just you know just I, you know I was thinking about you know when I heard the article last week, I'm like, okay, what the hell happened here? Yeah, and actually, I just found the list here. Uh, so the list of teams that withdrew are Chelsea, yeah. Manchester City, Arsenal, mm-hmm. Liverpool, Manchester Good United, Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, oh, yeah. Atletico Madrid, Inter Milan, and AC Milan. And my the soccer only- team. The only three teams that were remaining, actually technically two teams, I guess you could say, because Barcelona also withdrew. So the only two teams yeah. remaining were Juventus and Real Madrid. And according to leaked documents, it says the clubs that breached their contract are liable to penalty fees uh, in excess of 130 million pounds. That's a lot of money. Over there, yeah. That is a I mean, and, and you know, this was uh, we're talking about Andrea Agnelli resigning from uh, from Juventus. He was one of the guys that spearheaded the Super League, hmm. and now everything and now everything fell apart like it did. Um. Let's see. I'm trying to. I'm trying to look at. Uh, actually, as as soon as yesterday, actually, a group of about a hundred Tottenham supporters appeared outside of their stadium, calling for the removal of their owners from ownership. What a shock! You know these these uh, you know the, these protests are still technically happening over there even with mm-hmm. the Super League uh, essentially no more. And it, it, they even went as far as having the Prime Minister of Britain, uh, Boris, he even pleaded oh, with uh, the rest of England's teams to, to withdraw from, uh, fr- from the... Uh, the Super League. I mean, this is how yeah. how extreme it got, basically. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't see you wouldn't see the United States president, uh, you know, do the same thing. Like if if something like uh, if the, if the NFL uh, was involved in stuff in, in something like this, where like. I don't know. Ownership uh, owners from different teams decided to branch away from the NFL and form their own league. Right. You know, you probably wouldn't no, see the I'll same thing out of our. Pre- you wouldn't see the same thing out of our president. So the no. fact that Boris Johnson uh, reached out like he did and basically pretty much demanded that England's teams uh, withdraw. That just shows you how big of a scope that this was that this went. 
I mean, it was huge. Yeah, a huge mistake. And I, I'm, I have a feeling that the ripple effects are still going to be felt. Oh, no questions. I think you're going to feel those ripple effects for quite some time. And they say Americans are are whacked. Well, not when it comes to this, because, you know, we, we have our control of this, but, you know, when England loses, you know, it abuses a soccer match, you know, it's a it's riot city. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's... It, I mean, I really, I really hate to, to say this, because I you know, don't really know the full extent of sports that are out there in, in Europe, but soccer is pretty right. much the main thing. Like, so kind yes. of like what, kind of like what baseball and football are to us. Right. That's what soccer is to Europe. To them. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's it's the one thing that they have, and the fact that I kind of I kind of agree with the with the fans uh, you know the fans' gripes about this. The fact that you have yeah. these oh. greedy rich owners uh, who probably don't even know the first thing about European soccer because a lot of them are American uh, come uh-huh. in and invade uh, Europe like they like they are, you know, and they're basically just treating this as a, as another another team that they own on the long list of teams. And Stan Kroenke, actually, uh, who owns the Denver Nuggets, he's one of the owners. Uh, I yeah. forget which team he owns uh, over there, but he is one of the owners. I think it might be Arsenal. I might be wrong, though. Uh, so, you know, it's like these American businessmen, businessmen they just think that they see something nice and shiny, and they gotta have it without thinking about, okay, what you know, what certain boundaries should I not cross in this uh, with this team? No. So I I just have a feeling that. You know, this yeah. uh, this is just going to have a long ripple effect, basically. Right. All right. Uh, going into the NFL, uh, we did have a couple of rule changes that have been approved. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones I don't really get because it's loosened restrictions on on who can wear what jersey number and shit. Yeah. Uh, so basically. Basically now, uh, running backs, tight ends, fullbacks, and halfbacks, and wide receivers can now wear anywhere from number one to forty-nine and eighty to eighty-nine. Defensive backs can choose from one to forty-nine, while linebackers can use one to fifty-nine and ninety to ninety-nine. Uh, which ninety-nine, you know, usually goes to an elite pass rusher on the team. Uh, Offensive linemen can pick 50 to 79, and defensive linemen can wear 50 to 79, as well as 90 to 99. Uh, quarterbacks, punters, and kickers will remain in the 1 to 19 range. So, it, you know, it, uh, 
Bra- Tom Brady, he talked he uh uh discussed it on his uh on his Twitter and he said that it's going to base it's bad for the sport because it'll basically lead to a lot of confusing uh you know, a lot of a lot of confusing substitutions out there on the field. And it, it just seems weird for it to have to for them to have a number like mm-hmm. or, uh you know to have a number thing. I guess they're allowed to do it anyways in college. Yes. Am I right about that? Yes. Can be right about that. So you know, I, I understand, you know, there are some things in the college game that we would love to see in the uh, in the regular NFL, but – and the same thing with uh, NCAA basketball and regular basketball, but there are just some things that you just should just leave alone. And the numbers thing is that, you know, it, 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 it makes it a lot easier to – determine okay who's a wide receiver on the field who's a uh who's a defensive lineman offensive lineman and so on and so forth yeah. uh there were a couple of other rules that were amended officially uh one of them is eliminating overtime in the pre in the preseason which makes a lot of sense you don't need it first off yeah you don't need it and if you're in the preseason why the hell are you doing overtime to begin with, yeah, you know when the preseason is supposed to be about uh, you know seeing what you have as a team and right. sculpting your team. Basically, there's no need for overtime. No. Um, when I was asking that rule, tonight on my show, they thought it was they thought like that's crazy. Not really. Well, I mean, there, there's no reason why there should even be overtime no, in the first all. place in the preseason because, you know, like I said, you're not really – you're not – it would be different if it was like if something was on the line, but there's nothing on the line here. You're just no. filling out your roster, essentially. You're You're looking to see who makes the roster and who doesn't. And also, I believe right. there's one less preseason game, too, this year, isn't there? There's only three yes. instead of four? Three. But um, I keep this in mind. One team is only uh, – the teams are only going to have one bye week, even though there's a 17-game schedule now. It's not going to be uh, two bye weeks. That's going to stay the same. Yeah, yeah, that's why that's why they're eliminating the one, the one week in the preseason right. so that they can accommodate yeah. that 17th week. Uh, This next rule that was amended for one year only, it says here, uh, it's to to basically uh, in the setup zone during onside kicks, they lowered it basically from a maximum number of 10 players to a maximum number of nine players. Mm -hmm. I guess it's to, I I guess it's to, uh, to, uh, further reduce the risk of injury for any unnecessary, uh, you know, any unnecessary things that that take place. So I guess you know, getting rid of one player is going to do that. 
apparently. I don't know. Uh, This next one was submitted by the competition committee, the coaches subcommittee, and the Baltimore Ravens uh, to permit the replay official and designated members of the officiating department to provide certain objective information to the on-field officials. The new rule allows expanded communication from the booth to the officials on the field. It should lead to fewer errors Uh, especially the ones that are clear on television, such as possession and whether a pass is complete. This should have been done from the very start. Putting the instant replay into into effect, (laughs) you know, it's it's, it's so funny to think about it. It's it's just so funny to think about it, Lou. The fact that – we're waiting until until all these errors have been committed to actually institute this uh, or to enforce this rule. Right. If you're in charge of replay, yeah, if you're in charge of replay and you're up there in the booth, you should be able to communicate directly to the referees. Instead of looking at five hundred replays and and thus wasting <laughs> even more time. Just tell them he was down at the thirteen yard line. It's first and ten from uh-huh. the thirteen. You know, it's it's that easy. Mm-hmm. You 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 don't need you don't need to look at the same play from thirteen different angles before you get the uh the decision. Yes. Or in some cases, you still make the wrong decision. Right. Because you probably will. Yeah. Uh, this next one is by the Chicago Bears. Uh, this one ensures the enforcement of all accepted penalties committed by either team during successive try attempts. We, I guess it's to enforce that a penalty has been accepted, I don't really understand what they're the wording here. Yeah. Unless this is unless this is like for example, if there's a if there's a false start or something that the previous penalty still has to be enforced. I don't understand it. During successive try attempts. Yeah. Oh, okay. so maybe this means that uh, there could be multiple accepted penalties. Right. Depending on what the penalties are. Okay. Uh, this next one by the L.A. Rams will add a loss of down for a second forward pass from behind the line and for a pass thrown after the ball returns behind the line. So basically you're going to get rid of all those, of those stupid little, you know, uh, uh, last ditch efforts basically at the end of a, at the end of a game that some teams end up doing. Basically, uh, there would be no more. There would be no Miami miracle that happened against the New England Patriots a couple years ago. Oh yeah, what 
is what is uh, what it's going for with this with this uh, rule amendment. That I actually kind of agree with, not just because you know it hurt my Patriots at the time, but you know if you're going to do a play, you should be able to do it from the initial line of scrimmage. Yeah, you shouldn't be playing the, this schoolyard ball you know, where there's not really rules in schoolyard football. You know, it's it's professional football for a reason. Uh, the Oh, by the way, the jersey or number so options thing. Yeah. The jersey number options thing, that was by the Kansas City yes. Chiefs. Probably right. one of the stupidest rules I've ever, I've ever heard of. Yeah, um, this doesn't make a lot of sense at all. No. Uh, there's a summary of approved bylaws for this year. Uh, this one is by the competition committee uh, to amend Article 12, Section 12.4 of the Constitution and bylaws that will require clubs to submit tryouts and visits to the league office throughout the entire year. However, such transactions will only be reported to clubs from the start of training camp through the conclusion of the Super Bowl, unless it's with a restricted or unrestricted free agent. Mm. I guess this is just to avoid any confusion for uh, for certain players, you know, that uh, that teams may be trying to work out, and maybe these pl- these players have already. Uh, have agreed to a workout with a certain team, but they end up signing with a, with another team before that actual workout. That's the only thing I can really think of uh, for this whole thing. And we also, speaking of workouts, uh, we do have the NFL draft coming up this upcoming Thursday. Thursday. And, Yep, and I can. Uh, it's a three-night event. Uh, yes. And believe it or not, they only have 13 players go, uh, attending live in person this year. Mm. Yeah. Well, that doesn't surprise me. My well, no, question is, of, how many times is the commissioner going to get booze during the, during during the draft? Uh, Oh, I'll tell you one thing. It'll be every. Uh, it'll probably be every pick. And you know he's gonna do. He's gonna do his stupid little thing where he brings out like a Make a Wish kid or something to uh, to try and garner some uh, to try and garner some cheers. He's gonna bring out like he did uh, two years ago where he brought out a, a Make a Wish kid. Uh, you know yeah. to try and get cheers when really he's just going to get booze uh, regardless. But, I, yeah, I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of booze for him, especially with oh, sure. uh, especially with how he handled uh, how he, he basically treated COVID, too, like it was, like it was nothing. For the yeah, most part. maybe to him it wasn't, but to the rest of us, it's a whole different story. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, taking a look at some of these mock drafts uh, that I've been Mm. looking at here, it seems like there's an overwhelming consensus, at least from the Patriots, uh, 
that either the Patriots are going to trade up and take a quarterback or they're going to stay at 15 and take uh, and take Micah Parsons from Penn State, which honestly wouldn't really it wouldn't really surprise me considering the fact that Belichick loves defense. Uh, there's also been rumors that either you know the Niners would uh, wouldn't take Mac Jones. Uh, or Trey Lance would fall all the way to number 15, which honestly I don't see if the Patriots want to take, want to take a quarterback in the first round, they're going to have to trade up to number seven or number eight or, or higher uh, and get in front of the Denver Broncos. Cause I believe the Broncos without a doubt are taking a quarterback with. Yes. Them. Oh my God! Uh, oh, this is disgusting. Um, so UFC 261 is currently on right now, and Chris yeah. Weidman just Chris Weidman just experienced what Anderson Silva went through, uh, snapping his his leg in half. Oh. Uh, yeah. Trying to kick Uriah Hall just seconds into the fight, <sighs> and the fight is over. Well, obviously, the fight is over now. Uh, yeah, that is. Ugh. Oh my God, was that First, part of the uh, like? Well, obviously not. But mm. oh my God, yeah, you know, I've seen some. I've seen some horrible snaps. In the in the in the in the uh, sure. you know in previous UFC fights, uh, Corey Hill is still one that uh, that remains in my mind yeah. when his leg literally wrapped around the other guy's leg Eesh. when he snapped it. Um, Anderson Silva, obviously, it happened to him when he uh, when when uh, Chris Weidman. Uh, Checked one of his uh, one of his leg kicks in their second fight. That's how Weidman ended up defending his title. Actually, uh, was by a, a snapped uh, leg kick or a, a snapped uh, check of a leg. And ugh, yeah, this is no. That you know, I was talking with JB uh, last week when uh, you know when when you had uh, when you had to sign off, um, right. I was talking with JB and we were talking about Chris Weidman and, Mm. you know, I said that if Weidman had any shot, uh, because he said he wants to retire, basically. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I'm looking at that replay. Uh, You know, if he wanted any shot at a, if he wanted any shot at a title shot uh, within his time frame, which, from what he had said, he had said it would have been he would have liked to have fought two more times, then the third fight be a title fight, uh, then defend the title and retire after that. Now, I'm kind of thinking it's he's done because yeah, it took Corey Hill. 
forever to recover from snapping his leg like he did. Yeah, I don't think he can come back from that. And he was never the same fighter after that. So, no, no. Oh, and actually, I'm looking at where he kicked it, too. He kicked it in the hard part of the bone. The hard part of... uh, of Uriah uh, of the uh, of of the leg, which is the f- the very front. I just kick him the crotch yeah. like other like other people do. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Come on, go for yeah, the family yeah. jewels. Yeah, this is just, and he had to he had to be taken out family on the stretcher jewels. too. He had to be taken out on a stretcher. This is this is not good. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's, it's it, you know, it's fully it's dangerous enough as it is, and then you have something like this happen, which makes it even worse. I think wrestling is at a new low. Oh, it's not wrestling. It's uh, M- well, MMA, but yeah, MMA, which is you even know, worse. I mean, that just shows that just shows you how unpredictable it can be. That something like that can happen at any yeah. at any second, basically, in a fight. Um, yeah. Well, I was explaining to Diane last night about cage fighting, <laughs> boy, and she's like, "What the hell is that?" Believe me, you don't you don't want to know because that you know, uh, shall we use the term barbaric? Well, believe it or not, they have a, you know cage fighting isn't isn't like it was all those years ago where there was you know not really any okay. rules. I mean, there's there's a there's a reason why the UFC uh, has gotten as popular as it has, and that's because they right. they implemented like a like a, a distinct set of rules. Uh, like they can't do soccer kicks, for example, like they're able to do in a. In in Japan, if you're if you if you have a downed opponent on the ground, you can soccer kick them in the face, or in the ribs or something like kick. that. In uh, in in uh, the UFC, you also can't uh, knee a downed opponent in the UFC either. So you know they they put they put specific rules in place that are supposed to protect the fighters. Uh, in a certain manner, outside of you know right. actually actually fighting, but yeah, um, I think that's probably the end of his career. Watching that, what? Oh. He's thirty years old. Yeah, but he—I mean, he's—he's he's thirty-six years old. You know, he's probably going to be out for a year, maybe two, just recovering from this. Because it took Corey Hill forever to return from his injury, uh, which is pretty much very reminiscent of this. And not for nothing, but at 36 years old, I think you're well past your prime pretty much in any sport. So maybe now is a good time to get out before you get some, uh, some real damage to yourself. Yeah, and Uriah Hall has actually he was very classy uh, in the post fight interview. He he said uh, 
if if Weidman decides to continue his career uh, at any point, let me know what time or what, what uh, you know. Let me know the uh, uh, whatever date you want to set it, and there will be a rematch, basically. Um, yeah. Which kind of makes sense because because Hall, if if anything, Hall is only winning this on a technicality because you know Weidman broke his foot or broke his leg, so not really much of a win when literally the only shot that was thrown in the entire fight was a leg breaker. Yeah. Um, yes. Anyways, you know, back to the NFL. Uh, one of the biggest surprises that I'm, I'm seeing out of this, uh, out of the mock drafts here is they have Kyle Pitts going to Atlanta with the number four pick. Yes. And I'm kind of believing it because yeah. it, does, it doesn't make sense for Atlanta to restructure Matt Ryan's deal and then take a quarterback. Because Atlanta's the type of team well, where team where they have enough players – uh, you know, they have enough enough weapons for Matt Ryan if they can all stay healthy to where they're only maybe just one option away, which in this case would be Kyle Pitts, from being a legitimate contender again. Now, obviously, defense is a whole entire different story, but offensively, you know, it that hasn't really been Atlanta's problem. Uh, uh, being the offense. The problem has been the defense. But adding Kyle Pitts to the equation, I mean, they're comparing him to Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller. No, I'm talking about in terms of production. You know, what he would bring what he would bring to a specific to a specific team, you know, you're, he's going to, they're putting him on that same level as those other, as those other players. So in term in terms of production, that is. So in all honesty, if you're not, if you're not going for a quarterback here, I think it's a no brainer for Atlanta to take Kyle Pitts out of, uh, out of Florida here. Yes. Now, uh, it's it's pretty much confirmed that the top three picks, Jacksonville, New York, San Francisco, they're all going to be quarterbacks. Uh, the top two are pretty much confirmed to be Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, which, by the way, that's going to be a pretty big get for the Jets. Uh, Wilson probably going to be the, uh, the best signal caller that they've had in quite some time. Right. Uh, behind the uh, behind center San Francisco it seemed like they were uh, everybody had them pegged to take Mac Jones but now there are some people that are saying that that maybe they'll they may go with Justin Fields even though he has that epilepsy uh uh problem Ooh, yeah but would you, you take know, a chance on expecting... that well, yeah, I would because you know, he does have a history. Oh. Uh, his family has a history of being able to outgrow it, you know, to where, 
as he gets older, it doesn't become a problem. And really, I always thought it would be a problem for life. I thought that's that because there's no cure. I thought you know. Well, think about it, Alan. Think about it, Alan Faneca had to play through it, and he's a Hall of Famer. And he even said, he even said it wasn't really much of a problem for him during his playing days. So, uh, you know, it was actually said that if Faneca was able to play through it, then there's no reason as to why Fields wouldn't be able to. All right. However, I don't know if I would go with Fields here with the number three. I would almost, if if San Francisco is looking for, I think depending on what San Francisco does here, with the three, if they go with Fields or if they go with Jones, it will determine the future of Jimmy Garoppolo. If they take Jones, I honestly believe that they're probably that a Garoppolo trade is near because Jones is probably uh, after, uh, obviously after the first two picks out of all the quarterbacks remaining, Jones is probably the most NFL ready quarterback of the remaining bunch. Although they are talking uh, a lot about Kellen Mond as being a uh, potential uh, a potential immediate contributor, even though he's projected to be a second round pick right now. Um, <laughs> then after that, I wouldn't really worry about the quarterback spot until the number nine pick, because. It seems like Carolina, you know, they're already set with uh, Sam Darnold. They've already said that Sam Darnold is basically going to be their starter to the point of where uh, they've allowed for Teddy Bridgewater to uh, to seek out a trade elsewhere. And yeah. the next quarterback needy team is Denver. And... Denver is one of the teams that have been rumored to potentially trade up to take a quarterback from to, to, to trade up from the number nine spot. Uh, right now, it looks like Miami and Detroit are firmly in line to take a wide receiver, either Jamar Chase out of LSU or Devontae yeah. Smith out of Alabama or even Jalen Waddell out of Alabama, depending on how teams uh, value Waddell. Uh, good news for your Cowboys. It looks like they may be in line to take Patrick Sertain out of Alabama. Probably the top cornerback in the entire draft. Which obviously would be a big, uh, a big upgrade for their defense. Um, yes. This one in particular, I'm looking at the New England Patriots taking Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. And that might make sense considering the fact that they have Newton for another year. Trey Lance was, uh, you know, he only played in two games this past year because uh, North Dakota, they ended up 
canceling their season due to COVID after two games. And he, you know, he's basically a, uh, he's basically a project quarterback. So the fact that the fact that new England, it seems like they've built this team around Cam Newton, uh, yes. with all the, all the offensive upgrades they got this past off season. I really feel like, Belichick wants to prove that, you know, last year, last year, Newton would have been fine if it wasn't because of COVID. Uh, He wants to, I think he wants to prove that, you know, he was right in, in signing Cam Newton. Uh, And also this will allow Trey Lance a year to develop, you know, basically, basically what, uh, what Pat Mahomes was, uh, with Kansas City, with um, Alex Smith starting that one year. Yeah. Alex Smith starting that one year, and then you bring in uh, you bring in Pat Mahomes the next year to be the uh, the starter. Uh, some other you know some other notable names I'm looking at here. Uh, as potentially being taken in the first round, uh, Asante Samuel Jr., uh, who is out of Florida State. They're looking at Pittsburgh potentially as a uh, landing spot for him in the uh, mid-20s. Uh, Quiddy Payne, the defensive uh, the defensive or the edge rusher from Michigan, you know, that's one guy I could see the Celtics or not Celtics, the Patriots. Uh, I, I'm saying Celtics because I'm watching the uh, Mavericks game right now or the end of the Mavericks game with the Mavericks uh, yeah. defeating the L.A. Lakers just now. Uh, you know, Quiddy Pay, he's yeah, one, one of those uh, – He's one of those edge rushers that I could potentially see the Patriots going after, considering that they already have uh, they already have two of his teammates from Michigan uh, the previous two years in the draft with uh, Josh Uch and uh, and Chase Winovich. I could see Belichick diving into the Michigan uh, the Michigan pool again this time to take Quiddy Pay. Um, you know, I I don't know. This is this is going to be a very interesting draft because, yeah, they're, they're really they're really saying that the draft this year, if anything, begins with the number three pick. And we have a, a, already had actually uh, one draft uh one draft pick cha- change hands here with the chiefs sending their 31st overall pick yes. along with a third and fourth round pick this year and a fifth round pick next year to the Baltimore Ravens in exchange for offensive pro bowl offensive tackle Orlando Brown the number 58 pick this year and a sixth round pick next year so you're adding Orlando Brown to the likes of Joe Tooney, Kyle Long, and Austin Blythe to a completely revamped Kansas City uh, offensive line here uh, with now Baltimore uh, holding both 
the 27 and 31st picks in the first round on Thursday night. Right. And from all indications, with wide receivers potentially plummeting in the draft, we could potentially, you know, Baltimore, Baltimore could have their, uh, could have uh, the pick of the litter, basically, uh, that could fall anywhere between the 27th and 31st pick. And also a, uh, how should I put it here? As a uh, yeah. effect from this trade, it's been right. reported by ESPN that the Ravens are expected to replace Orlando Brown with free agent offensive tackle Alejandro Villanueva, who has been a longtime yeah. Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, and this one's probably the biggest head scratcher. Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni apparently has refused to name Jalen Hurts as the team's starter and has instead said that there will be a quarterback competition in training camp with Joe Flacco. Flacco's done. Go ahead, Lou. Flacco's done. He has an idea that he won the Super Bowl. And even then, he only won the Super Bowl because of uh, because of the defense. Yes. But you know, I, I'll just I'll just say this. It, it, I, I guess it shouldn't really surprise me that the Eagles are going this route because. Mm-hmm. Of the uh, of the dysfunction that's going around, uh, you know, that's going around <clears throat> that team right now. Hell, they wouldn't have gotten yes. rid of, uh, you know, they wouldn't have gotten rid of uh, of Carson Wentz if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, the uh, the Eagles performed a lot better as a team with Jalen Hurts. Under center, right. That's literally the only way that uh, that Carson Wentz would have stayed there. But because of that, obviously, I mean, it just it this whole thing just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That there that there's even a decision here. I thought the reason why you even traded Wentz was because you were committing to Jalen Hurts as your starter. So I ask you this, Lou. Why trade Wentz then? Yeah, if you're still going to have a, a competition. That doesn't, that doesn't really make sense at all. You know, that Why would almost be trade? like... Yeah. Uh, that would almost be like the Patriots trading away Drew Bledsoe like they did mm. only for that, only for them to then bring in another quarterback to uh, compete with, uh, with Tom Brady instead of naming Tom Brady, the starter, the very next yeah. year. 
I, it just doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I. I no. guess I. Sh- I guess I should. I should stop trying to understand what the what the Eagles. Uh, you know, are doing here as a team. Well, it's not that um, easy to figure out. Uh, the according to Ian Rapoport, the Miami Dolphins have already made two moves in the NFL draft, and they may not be done yet. Sources say that they have received calls from teams looking to trade up to number six, and it is something they're considering. So not only the number six pick, but also Detroit is taking calls on the number seventh pick. Uh, Carolina is taking calls with, uh, on the number eighth pick. Reportedly, Detroit and Carolina are both very motivated to move their 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 two draft picks. So something tells usually at the beginning of the week is when we get the is when we always get the big NFL uh, moves. Yes. Something tells me Monday or Tuesday, if anything is going to happen, we'll find out about it Monday or Tuesday. Oh, I shall find out about it by Monday. You know, I always tell, I always tell uh, one of our moderators and whispers, uh, Tim, I always tell him, you know, I, I need I need something to to build around as the uh, as the big story for uh, for a sports pod every week, and then lo and behold, yeah. it's almost like at the beginning of the week, it's always the one story that immediately pops up. I get the same thing, you know. Well, actually, I keep thinking, you know, it, it doesn't turn to be so fast like on. On Monday or Tuesday, I think it's going to be a slow week. But then Wednesday comes along and the stories pile up. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It's one of those cases where, you know, there's there have been some points where I'm like, the all the topics that I put out that I put out there, and I'm almost like, should I even yeah. do a show this week? You know, because of. <laughs> of how slow it's gotten and then boom, it's either Wednesday or Thursday hits. And next thing you know, Wednesday there's, and, and you know, next thing you know, there's a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of topics coming in one after the other, after the other. So, yeah, I have a feeling though, especially with it being the draft, a lot of teams usually like to know what they're doing ahead of time. So you better. I have, I have a feeling that either Monday or Tuesday, if there's going to be any any more shakeups in the first round, we'll know by that by at least Tuesday. We should know by then. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Oh, we finally have an update after all this time uh, on Antonio Brown. Free agent uh, Antonio Brown has officially settled with his sexual assault accuser, Brittany Taylor, oh, who yeah. accused him of sexual assault after he was after he was recruited by Tom Brady to the Patriots in 2019. 
Uh, Taylor, for those who don't remember, was a former collegiate gymnast who met Brown when both of them were students at Central Michigan University before Brown was drafted in 2010. Mm. Taylor, Taylor alleged that Brown had sexually assaulted her twice in June of 2017, and after Brown allegedly expressed contri- contrition about the incident, raped her in May of 2018. Brown, in 2019, countersued Taylor for defamation. And now, all of a sudden, they have officially settled, which it's kind of odd that we just find out literally now that, you know, everything is, is officially settled because the last we had heard, of this was in 2019 before he even uh, you know a lot of people thought that he was going to be put on the commissioner's exempt list and instead you know he never was and he ended up uh, he ended up eventually signing with the Bucks this year to go on and win a Super Bowl but uh, you know this settlement could actually open up uh, the possibility for teams to now to now uh, go ahead with trying to sign him without any ramifications. Basically, you know they don't have to worry about you know any uh, any bad PR basically coming out of uh, potentially signing him now. I, doesn't it just feel weird, Lou, that you know all of a sudden now uh, now they decide to settle? Yeah. Even though, even though all yeah, of these I wonder, stories I were saw. popping what up. What's that? long? Yeah, it's 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 like literally all you know uh, all these stories one after the other. First, it was one accuser, then another one joined in. And it's you know it's granted granted there were there were quite a fewer amount of accusers with Antonio Brown yeah. than there was Deshaun Watson, but it kind of makes you wonder if eventually Deshaun Watson, uh, his case will go down this same, uh, you know this down this same road here. I don't know. I just I have a I have a weird feeling. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And actually, speaking of Deshaun Watson, uh, Texans general manager Nick Casario, he still refuses to address his trade availability or any of the legal matters. Um, yeah, he's ba- he's basically still, uh, you know, completely silent on on those matters. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but Aaron Donald of the L.A. Rams, he was apparently involved in some sort of assault allegation uh, in a brawl in Pittsburgh where a man was injured and he believed that it was 
that he was assaulted by Aaron Donald when, if anything, Donald was actually uh, he was he was actually making sure that the guy didn't get injured even further. Um. So the uh, the guy then took back his accusations, saying that he. Uh, now he knows it wasn't him, uh, that he actually came to the rescue and pulled people away instead of, you know, being the one to actually, uh, cause these injuries to him. But, you know, it's, it's, it's good that, you know, we don't have another situation like this where there's all these, um, you know, all these accusations being thrown around, basically. Also, uh, what what are your thoughts on teams deciding not to – some teams are deciding to not have their players attend OTAs? Yeah, I get it, but – you know, I I think I think you do need to attend because it's necessary to prepare for, you know, uh, preseason, the regular season, whatnot. So I actually do think that it does serve a purpose. I mean, I get the idea with fears because they're you know all fears of the coronavirus and whatnot. But at the same time, I think you know you owe it to your uh, fellow players and coaches to go to o- to go to the OTAs as well as the training camp. So. Well, well, they're saying that reportedly it is not because of COVID. Aha. Then what else? Even though, the, even though there, there are some teams that are, uh, or there are some uh, members of the union that are claiming it's because of COVID. Supposedly, it's not. But uh, the NFLPA did release a statement uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being the newest team to boycott OTAs. Uh, they said they, they said NFL across our league are a group of, of professionals who care about our jobs, our community, and our families. We made a commitment to the organization, to Bucks fans, and to each other that we would come back to try and bring another world championship to Tampa Bay. We know that our union worked to negotiate safety protocols, but in light of the ongoing pandemic, we are choosing to take a stand with other players across the league and exercise our right to not participate in the voluntary off-season program. We had a fully virtual off-season last year, and we held each other accountable to do the work it took to win, and we plan to do that again. Um, The Broncos, they also uh, held a conference call, and they have decided to boycott the in-person workouts and meetings as a group. Um. And basically the statement that the NFLPA put out uh, for them is pretty much sort of towards the same thing. And the Seahawks also uh, also released statements as well. So they're not uh, – or they're boycotting. And I believe the New England Patriots are as well. Uh, I may have to double-check that, but I mm-hmm. believe uh, the only two players that have reported so far – are uh, Cam Newton and Jarrett Stidham reporting to OTAs. And it kind of makes sense because not all NFL players will be vaccinated at this point. And, right. uh, 
you know, you wouldn't want to work under these under these uh, circumstances to where you could potentially still get infected. I mean, uh, look at uh, Steve Clifford of the Orlando Magic. You know, he had already been vaccinated. He he had already been vaccinated. Uh, and he just caught COVID. Well, it doesn't guarantee uh, you won't get it, you know. Yeah, exactly. Just because just because you've been you've been vaccinated, you know, it doesn't mean doesn't mean that you still won't get it. That's a misconception that the younger people have. So I mean, it's. It kind of it kind of makes sense though to uh, to stay in the virtual the virtual format because it didn't really look like you know that teams had it it didn't look like teams really had any problems adjusting for the most no. part and actually speaking of COVID uh, the UFC they are holding their first event with fans they have 15,000 yeah. people at UFC 261 tonight which in Florida they had 7,400 COVID cases today and crowd shot, shots of the crowd have showed virtually no mask usage mm. at the UFC event going on right now It's just completely irresponsible. Yes. Uh, Oh, speaking of combat sports, uh, there is an update on Jake Paul as, well, first off, uh, Ben Askren apparently made $500,000 for his fight against Jake Paul. To take to, t- to take the uh, I'm I'm still calling it a dive because let's yeah. face it I've seen I've seen uh, Askren take harder hits than what we saw uh, against Jake Paul and he got up pretty quickly to the fight or after he got knocked down and the ref claimed he was on he was on wobbly legs even though it was clear as day that he was all right and he was fine and then they called off the fight um, then Jake Paul decides to get in a heated exchange tonight at UFC 261 with Daniel Cormier Cormier. Yeah, and five hundred thousand dollars is missing. He really decided to try and crash an MMA event and go after a guy who actually can hit harder than Ben Askren. And believe believe me, Cormier can actually hit harder. If he wants to pick a fight with Daniel Cormier, who, by the way, is a uh, – he walks around at heavyweight. It's not like he has to cut weight. Paul is just asking to get his ass kicked at this point. 
test. I hate to leave on this note, but I must be going because the little brother needs me. Well, my partner. All right, Luke. Well, well, hey, thank you, uh, thank you for joining me tonight. My pleasure. All right. All, All right, right. Thanks, we will we'll talk we'll again next, next week. week. Right. All right. Right. Uh, yeah, this whole Jake Paul situation. I mean, I can't even believe that he actually stormed. That he actually he actually stormed. Uh, Daniel Cormier here. And I just posted it for uh, for those in Sports Whispers. And Paul called out Cormier for supporting Ben Askren in the past. He also called out Tyrone Woodley of the UFC's welterweight division, former UFC welterweight champion, might I add. I swear, you know, this Paul kid, one of these days, he's going he's gonna to pick the wrong person to call out. He has this gigantic head all because he knocked out, or I'll put this in quotations, knocked out Ben Askren, who isn't a striker, might I add, at least not on the level of Cormier and, and Woodley. And now he thinks that he – now he thinks that he's he's all this uh you know all this big shit, dude. When are you gonna actually fight an actual boxer, and not somebody who you know is either from a different sport or barely has any experience at all? When are you gonna fight an actual boxer? You talk all of this shit. And you turned Nate Robinson into a meme. That didn't really, that wasn't really much of a shock because let's face it, the guy is a former basketball player and from all indications, he didn't take training seriously. You knock out Ben Askren, which by the way is still suspect because he seemed like he was standing quite fine uh, when, when he was trying to convince the ref that he was good to go. And he wasn't on wobbly legs. And now he wants to go after big guys like Cormier. I'll tell you what, you know, I was listening or I was watching a podcast uh, on YouTube. Or was it you? No, yeah, it was YouTube. Uh, from MTV personalities, Johnny Bananas and Wes Bergman. And they were talking about Darrell Taylor, who, by the way, is a legitimate gold glove boxer. He's a two-time amateur gold glove boxer. That's what they give out gold gloves for uh, in the sport of boxing for uh, top amateur fighters. He is a two-time gold glove boxer. Granted, he's 41 years old, but he would probably be a matchup for Jake Paul. But, you know, I mean, if Paul wants a funeral, he can go, he can go up against, uh, against Daniel Cormier or Tyrone Woodley all he wants. I really can't believe that he, that he actually 
uh, stormed over, or, or he actually had words with uh, Daniel Cormier today, or at tonight's event, <laughs> to where Cormier apparently walked over towards towards Paul, and uh, you know I'm kind of wondering as I'm reading this, I'm kind of wondering if this was all set up because the crowd was chanting "fuck Jake Paul." Uh, and this uh, this had to do with a with a preliminary bout, I guess. But this is all this all. And Cormier said live on air, "I swear to God, I just saw Jake Paul. I pointed at him and said, don't play with me because I'll smack him in the face. He's right there. I'll slap him. I don't play those games, Joe. He's talking to Joe Rogan, obviously. Uh, then he went over to where Paul was sitting." And they had some sort of confrontation. And uh, Jake Paul, he had he appeared on his brother's podcast and called out Cormier for supporting Askren. Uh, he said, and I quote, shut the fuck up, bitch. I'll beat the fuck out of your fat ass too, just like Stipe did. Cleveland shit. I swear to God, I'll beat the fuck out of Daniel Cormier. And Cormier responded on ESPN saying, this dude would never fight me. I would kill him. Why would I ever fight someone like that? Man. Just, I understand this could, be, this could be something just to hype up a potential matchup, but man, this is... Uh, You know, I, I, I swear, you know, there's going to be at, at some point that, and plus he's also facing accusations, two different accusations of sexual misconduct himself, as well as emotional abuse uh, from former people that he's collaborated with before on YouTube. So Paul has a lot of stuff um, going on with him right now. Uh, supposedly he sexually assaulted somebody and he apparently groped a minor that he called jailbait, according to a report from Yahoo News when the girl was 17 years old. So there's, I mean, there's a whole lot of shit surrounding him right now. And... And then they had this confrontation at the fight. I don't know if it's a, if it's a uh, you know if it was a legitimate confrontation or if it was. I mean, I've seen the video, but you know, I, you know what I mean. I don't know if it was something that was set up between the two to help promote a potential fight or if it was, you know, legitimate to where to where Cormier's warning him. Or else I'm gonna legitimately beat your ass before you even get before we even uh, do this thing. I don't know this. Uh, I think Jake Paul is treading uh, treading very thin ice right now, and he should be careful with what with what his next moves are. But hey, you know if this is if this is something to help build up an uh you know his next fight, I mean bravo, you know I I want to see him actually succeed 
if he, you know, if he actually takes thing is taking all this shit seriously. Because I gotta tell you, you know, Cormier and uh, and Woodley, they're just from watching them fight, they are not to be fucked with. You know, they have. They have a lot of power. You know, Cormier may not look like it because of how big he because of how big he is as a heavyweight, but there's a lot of stopping power in those hands. And you know, I just I'm kind of wondering if maybe Jake Paul got a. Let a little bit, uh, a little bit much, a little bit of it go too much to his head after he, quote unquote, knocked out Ben Askren, which is still skeptical to this point. So I don't know. Uh, let's see. We're gonna do, we're gonna do a couple of. Uh, a couple of recaps around around the different leagues before we sign off here for the night. Uh, we will start with basketball. Looking at the looking at tonight's schedule, we do have a few. Uh, we have one game that is still ongoing in basketball: the Denver Nuggets with a ninety-two to seventy-one lead over the Houston Rockets. Actually, ninety-four seventy-one now, with about about four minutes to go in the third quarter. Uh, that one's pretty much a wrap. The New York Knicks—they won their ninth straight today with a 120 to 103 victory over the Toronto Raptors. The Milwaukee Bucks. Man, looking at this score, talk about domination over the 76ers—132 to 94, your final from Milwaukee. Uh, the Indiana Pacers with a 115 to 109 victory. Over the Detroit Pistons, the San Antonio Spurs with a 110 to 108 victory over the New Orleans Pelicans. The Miami Heat with a 106 to 101 victory over the Chicago Bulls. You also have uh, this game just gone final, the Dallas Mavericks with a 108 to 93 victory over the LA Lakers. And the Minnesota Timberwolves with a 101 to 96 victory over the Utah Jazz. In hockey, uh, some games still ongoing. At the end of the second period, the Arizona Coyotes with a 2-0 lead over the Los Angeles Kings in Los Angeles from the Staples Center. Uh, The Vancouver Canucks with about four minutes to go in the second, holding on to a 2-1 lead over the Ottawa Senators out in Vancouver. Uh, This one's about to go final. The Minnesota Wild with a 6-3 lead over the San Jose Sharks with about nine seconds to go. Uh, Some finals from earlier today, the Pittsburgh Penguins with a 4-2 victory over the New Jersey Devils. The St. Louis Blues 5-3 over the Colorado Avalanche. The Calgary Flames with a 5-2 victory over the Montreal Canadiens. The Toronto Maple Leafs with a 4-1 victory over the Winnipeg Jets. The Washington Capitals, 6-3 over the New York Islanders. The Florida Panthers with a 4-3 victory over the Carolina Hurricanes in overtime. And the Dallas Stars with a 2-1 victory over the Detroit Red Wings in overtime. 
as well as the Vegas Golden Knights with a 5-1 to one victory over the Anaheim Ducks. Let's see. Going over to Major League Baseball, we have some finals from earlier today. The Kansas City Royals with a 2-1 to one victory over the Detroit Tigers. The Seattle Mariners topped the Boston Red Sox 8-2. to two. The Pittsburgh Pirates with a 6-2 victory over the Minnesota Twins. The St. Louis Cardinals shut out the Cincinnati Reds 2 to nothing. The Milwaukee Brewers with a 4-3 victory over the Chicago Cubs. Washington Nationals 7-1 over the New York Mets. The Houston Astros stomped over the LA Angels 16-2. The Tampa Bay Rays with a 5-3 victory over the Toronto Blue Jays. The New York Yankees with a 2-1 victory over the Cleveland Indians. The Oakland Athletics with a 7-2 victory over the Baltimore Orioles. You also have the uh, Chicago White Sox 2-1 to one victory over the Texas Rangers and the Philadelphia Phillies with a 7-5 to five victory over the Colorado Rockies. Also, the Arizona Diamondbacks and Atlanta Braves game was postponed from earlier today as well. Going to the bottom of the ninth, the Miami Marlins have a 5-1 to one lead over the San Francisco Giants and Heading to the top of the seventh, the L.A. Dodgers have a 5-3 to three lead over the San Diego Padres. In Major League Soccer, uh, the New England Revolution with a 1-0 victory in regulation over D.C. United, improving to 1-1 one one on the season. Uh, D.C. United falls to 1-0-1. Oh as well. Uh, Miami over Philly, 2-1. to one. Miami improves to 1-0-1. Philly falls to 0-1-1. Atlanta with a 3-1 victory over Chicago. 2-1 victory over Minnesota. Austin with a 3-1 victory over Colorado. And at the half, we have all tied up at one apiece between Portland and Houston. And looks like that is... No, that isn't it. We do have a few other games from today. Uh, Los Angeles with uh, Seattle tied up at one. Uh, that's a final. San Jose 3-1 to one over Dallas, FC Dallas. Uh, Toronto FC 2-2 two to two tie with Vancouver. Montreal with a 2-2 two two tie against Nashville. And NYC FC with a 5-0 victory over Cincinnati. So a bit of a uh, a bit of a reminder for those of you who may or may not have uh, have been paying attention to the Missy AE podcast recently. We did just have a Survivor Memories podcast uh, this past Thursday night where we recapped the or we looked back, I should say, at the Survivor Millennials versus Gen X season. Uh, it was also revealed that. Uh, Melissa Hunt-Hillstrom and myself will be the co-hosts for the Big Brother coming this summer. Be sure to to, uh, stay tuned to that. Uh, We also have, we'll probably have a podcast coming up this 
Thursday, I would assume. Uh, stay tuned to blogtalkradio.com slash missyae uh, for news on that. It'll, I'll probably find out maybe tomorrow, maybe Monday, in terms of what we are uh, what we are going to do in terms of that. Wow, and just like that, we have a new champion with Rose Nama Yunus knocking out women's strawweight champion Zhang Weilei. Uh, and Nama Yunus, I believe this is – no, actually, she regains the strawweight championship. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is her second time holding the title. And up next, we have Kamaro Usman against Jorge Masvidal here. Uh, the other title fight, Valentina Shevchenko knocked out Jessica Andrade with elbows. Uh, three minutes, 19 seconds into the second round. So, once again, if you have not done so yet, subscribe to the Missy AE podcast uh, on blogtalkradio.com slash AE. Or on iTunes by searching Missy AE, you'll get access not just to Sports Whispers Weekly Pods, but you'll get access to our Survivor Memories, Big Brother Memories, Amazing Race Memories, all of our shows that we have done in the past and the shows that we will do coming up here. We have a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of behind the scenes interviews with cast members of different seasons. I know I definitely learned a lot from those uh, from those shows, and I think I think uh, you'd be pretty surprised with some of the stuff that uh, that came out with these interviews. Uh, but we are going to cut it a little bit short for tonight, um, considering I don't really feel like talking to myself here for the next 14 minutes. Uh, thank you for uh, for joining me tonight, uh, along with Lou. We'll be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Everybody have a good rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.